0: you can be seated. We're in a series in Joshua entitled Courageous Faith. Now, I want to see how many we have in here that are of courageous faith. Are are you ready? Um, Guest, you're probably thinking, I don't know what's coming next. You're in the same boat as everybody else here. I need an adult volunteer. All right, come here. Wow. I was thinking that someone might have to be voluntold. I wasn't wasn't quite sure. Come stand right up here. Now, now you have to agree to eat whatever you pull out of this bag. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. What? Whatever you pull out of here, you you have. Now, I have your word. You'll eat whatever comes out of here. I will. I will. D- do you trust me? Sort of. Uh, okay. <laughs> All right. Well, this is this is what happens when you let me go off to youth camp and children's camp. So so now you're gonna reach your not yet. You're gonna you're gonna reach your hand in and whatever you pull out, you have to eat. Okay. Okay. Are you are you ready? Am I go? Oh, have you guys noticed all of the moths around lately? <laughs> have have you have you noticed those? Let me. Yeah, they're still there. <laughs> okay. You, you can't look. Okay. okay. Whatever. Ooh. Yeah, how many of you wish you'd volunteered now? Th- thank thank you. Yes, you can. You can go sit down and and eat that. <laughs> I said adult because every single kid in here they'll volunteer for anything. I don't know if, if you know that. So, 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 have you ever been in a situation where where you had to trust somebody not knowing what was going to happen next, and 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 you you actually had to act on that first? Has has that ever happened to you? No. Okay. Nobody. Um, well, we're going to pretend like that has happened to you before. Uh, we're in this series called Courageous Faith. And, and what we're doing is, is looking at Joshua and, and just how God used him. And Joshua was a man of courageous faith. But, but like we talked about, I think we talked about a little bit last week, he didn't, he didn't start there. God grew his faith. And and that's something that that we kind of forget. We we forget that that every little thing that God asks us to do, that when we obey, that He grows our faith just a little bit. We we kind of think that, all right, Lord, I want you to give me big faith. Have you ever thought that, or you ever prayed that, or, or maybe you're like me, you look at Abraham and and Isaac and Jacob and Moses and and Noah and and, and all of those those big people or, or people of big faith, and and you think, man, I, I wish I had faith like that. And then God asked you to step out in faith and obey. And you say, well, yeah, you know, I kind of want the faith first, God. That's like praying for patience. Have you ever prayed for patience? The response is always the same when you ask God for patience. He tells you to wait. Joshua chapter 3 is where we are today, and, and it's only 17 verses, so don't get too worried. I, I want to just remind us of some things These are in your notes, and if you 've got the YouVersion Bible app uh, those are those are on there you can you can go in and, and log in and, and get them on your device but these are these are in your your bulletins your notes. but I just want to remind us of a few things as we launch into the story today as they 're getting ready to cross over the Jordan. The first thing that I want to remind you of is, is just kind of the way that we've been defining faith. I know there are a lot of different definitions. This is just one that will kind of help us get a handle on, on what faith is. Um, actually, let's read the, the Bible first. That's a good place to start. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. That's your very first slide in your, your notes. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. That's a little bit hard to get a hold of, isn't it? So, so how, many of you, how many of you hope it rains this week? Anybody? <laughs> if you've lived in the mountains long, how many of you hope it rains at your house? Because, you know, it could rain at your neighbor's and, and, and not yours. That's not what it's talking about here. You have a wishful thinking. I mean, that's wishful thinking. I hope it rains here too. But that's not what faith is. Faith isn't hoping God is going to do what he says he's going to do. Faith isn't hoping that God is who he says he is. It is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction or the confidence of things not seen. In, in verse 6, just a few more down from there in chapter 11, it says, without faith, it is impossible to, cl- to please God. You ever thought about that? L- let, me, let me put it a little bit different way. You cannot walk with God and not have faith. Some of you are like, uh-oh. That's all right. Pray the prayer that the guy prayed with Jesus. Lord, I believe. Help me in my unbelief. It is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists, that he is who he says he is, and that he rewards those who seek him, that he'll do what he says he'll do. And and that's kind of our definition that we've been working with. Faith is believing that God is who he says he is, and that he will do what he says he'll do. Now, that means we need to know who God is, who he says he is in his word, and then trust that he is who he says he is. But the other part of that is is believing that God will do what he says he'll do. Now, not, we, we kind of get wrong ideas about what God says he'll do, and that's the reason for, we need to get into God's word. How many of you have heard this before? God helps those who help themselves. Sounds good, doesn't it? Romans 5.8 says that God demonstrates his love toward us and that while we were still sinners, while we were helpless, at the right time Christ died for us. The truth is that God helps those who can't help themselves. Thank you, Lord. How about this one? God will never give you more than you can handle. Yeah, that's in Hesitations, chapter 22. It's it's just not there. You see, routinely, God calls people to do things they can't do who will trust him to do what he said he will do. So faith is is believing that God is who he says he is and he'll do what he says he'll do. Faith is the basis of our relationship with God. Have you ever thought about it that way? Without faith it's impossible to please God. Faith is the basis of our relationship with God. In fact, Ephesians and 9 says it is by faith through grace. I'm sorry, by grace through faith. Faith is the vehicle that you're saved. So it's the basis of our relationship with God. This is pretty important, wouldn't you say? But we're not just talking about faith. We're talking about courageous faith. Courageous faith means believing, I'm sorry, courageous faith means obeying God before he provides. Let me say that again. Courageous faith means obeying God before he provides. And that's exactly what he called Joshua to do. Let me read for you. Take out your your Bibles if you've got them. Now, some of you, we clarified this in Sunday school this morning. Your Bible can be on this too. Just because it's not paper doesn't mean it's not a Bible. I kind of still like paper in in most instances. I've got the large print, just so you know. Didn't know they made it in such a small Bible, huh? Chapter 3, verse 1. So God has told Joshua that they're going to go across the Jordan, and and now he's getting ready to obey. Chapter 3, verse 1 says, "...then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Shittim, and they came to Jordan, he and all the people of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over." So they're at the edge of Jordan. They are at the Jordan. "...at the end of three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people, as soon as you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord..." Your God is carrying, by the way, let's go back. Anytime you see Lord capitalized, it's God's personal name that he gave, Yahweh. And and that makes a difference in Scripture because it's not the God of the Egyptians or the God of the Babylonians. It is Yahweh your God is the way that it reads. As soon as you see the Ark of the Covenant of Yahweh your God being carried by the Levitical priest. Then you shall set out from your place and follow it. Yet there shall be a distance between you and it, about 2,000 cubits in length. Do not come near it in order that you may know the way you shall go, for you have not passed this way before. Then Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow Yahweh will do wonders among you. And Joshua said to the priest, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. Now, now picture this, if you would. The, the children of Israel are on the banks of the Jordan. We're not talking about a large church. We're not talking about a mega church. We're talking about a super mega church, okay? Over a million people. And they're getting ready to cross over into the Jordan. And, and we'll find out a little bit later. At this time of year, the Jordan was at its flood stage. The Jordan would overflow its banks. This is no small creek, okay? How many of you are from Texas? Okay? One of the things I've been here 15 years that I've had to learn is, is water is really precious when you live uh, in the desert. And, and, and we get to go across some rivers, and I look at the rivers, and, and, and I have to think in Texas, we would have called that a creek. This is no small creek, this is a huge river that is overflowing its banks, and they're at the edge. And here's what he says, verse 7. Then the Lord, that is Yahweh God, said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, not so that Joshua can be some big thing, but so that you, they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And as for you, command the priest who bear the Ark of the Covenant, when you come to the brink of the waters of the Jordan, now here's what I would have wanted it to say. The Jordan will part just like the Red Sea did. When you come to the brink of the waters, when you get to the edge, I, I would have wanted if God asked me, Larry, how do you want me to do this? I would have said, let's do like like Red Sea part two. You know, can, can we do that? Red Sea 2.0. Why don't we do that? And, and we'll get to the edge. And, and, you know, um, well, we can't hold up Moses' staff, but, but we'll hold something up and, and, and it'll, it'll part just like it, it did the Red Sea. And that is almost what we would expect. And if God had chosen to work that way, what a great reminder it would be of tying it together. This, this, it would book in the 40 years in the wilderness, right? Isn't that a good idea? Well, God didn't ask me. And that's not what He did. Here's what he did. When you come to the brink of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. Oh wait a minute. <laughs> this is the big river that is overflowing its banks. You want us to go into the Jordan while the Jordan is still flowing. Now let's do the Red Sea thing. Come here, Joshua said to the people. <laughs> Come here and listen to the words of Yahweh, your God. Joshua said, here is how you shall know that the living God is among you and that he will without fail drive out from before you. This is great. I love the Bible. It's so much fun to read. By the way, with the Bible apps nowadays, when you get to some of those words, you're like, I don't know how to say that. Just push that little play button, right? Have you guys ever heard that? Let me show you. I just want to help you out. Just giving you some tools here. Chapter three. Then Joshua rose early in the morning and they set out from Shittim. And they came to the Jordan. I said that specifically to let you know I said that word correctly. (laughs) Tried to find another way to say it, but I couldn't. This is one of those fun places. And it says here, in and that he will, without fail, that is, he will faithfully, he will do what he said he will do. He will, without fail, drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Gergeshites, the Amorites, the Jebusites, and I always want to say and all the little bitty other ites that are out there. So, so remember what God is calling them to do. God is calling them to go in and possess a land. Now, this is not an empty land. This is a land with fortified cities. This is a land with people. If you remember, ten of the first re- the, the reports from ten of the spies 40 years earlier had come back and said, This place is crawling with giants. <laughs> Look at these grapes. They had to carry the grape, a cluster of grapes on a pole. Look at the grapes these guys eat, right? So this is what God is calling them to go into this land and possess it. And God is is, is told Joshua what's going to happen. Joshua says, come here, come here, listen, listen. God is going to do something for you today to let you know that he will go before you and he will drive all of these people out. God will do what he says he'll do. Now, how do we... How do we get to that place? How do you you get to where you you trust that you believe, God, I know that you'll do what you say you'll do? How do you get there? Well, you step out in faith, and you watch God do what he says he'll do. Here's what he says, verse 12. I'm sorry, let's back up, 11. Behold... The Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth is passing over before you into the Jordan. Now, remember, the Ark of the Covenant is is a physical representation of the presence of God. One thing that he does promise is that he will be with you and he will never leave you. He will not fail you or forsake you. That is something God says he will do and he'll do it. Now, therefore, take 12 men from the tribes of Israel, from each tribe a man, And when the soles of the feet of the priest bearing the Ark of Yahweh, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing, and the waters coming down the hill from above shall stand in one heap. So so do you get this picture? So they're going to take the Ark, and they're going to be carrying the Ark, and the water is going to be flowing, I, I would say if it's at studge, studge rage. that's what happens when you flood stage is where I was meaning to go with that. If the waters are at flood stage, it's going to be flowing pretty rapidly. They are going to walk into the Jordan before it stops. Carrying the Ark of the Lord. Now, I won't go into a whole lot of detail, but, but you remember the, the time when somebody carrying the ark stumbled and someone reached out to steady it? Yeah, he is no more. <laughs> so, so these guys, I would have wanted the water to stop first. I, I, could, could God have made the water stop first? Sure. He did it with the Red Sea. He's God. He can do anything or everything according to his character and nature, right? So why would God have them step into the water first before it stopped flowing? God wants them to trust him. And and listen, (laughs) whenever God provides ahead of time, there's not a whole lot of trust there, is it? what if what if you went to the post office box that this may have happened to you you may have testimonies like this and, and you opened it up and you pull out and there's a check for two thousand three hundred and forty two dollars and eighty six cents, right? And you're like, well, that's cool and then your car breaks down on the way back from the post office and you take it to the mechanic and the mechanic. A mechanic says this is going to cost, I can't even remember that number, I should have written it down, $2,842.86, the exact amount of the bill. Would you have had to trust God for that bill? No, you got the check in your hand already, unless you spent it on the way home, I don't know how you could do that. When God provides ahead of time, it doesn't require a whole lot of faith. It doesn't require a whole lot of trust for us. And sometimes he does that. Isn't that great? Have, have you ever had something unexpected happen and you're like, well, what, what, was, what was that about? And, and then, then the need comes. And you're like, oh, isn't that cool? God provided ahead of time. I didn't even know he was going to do that. That doesn't happen really often. But there are a lot of times whenever the need arises, And we pray, which is always the first place you should go. Don't, don't let this be something you say, you know, I've tried everything else. The only thing left to do is pray. Uh, let's pray first, should, shouldn't we? Let's go to God first. And, and so whenever something unexpected happens and you pray and you say, Lord, I, I, I don't know what you're doing in this situation. I, I don't know how you're going to provide for this, but God, I trust you. And, and if you're like me, I want like the phone to ring right then. I want to get a text from the bank saying, you know what, someone just put $8,000 in your bank account. Isn't that cool? We want something to happen like that. By the way, you can deposit stuff in other people's accounts. I don't know if you knew that, if you know the number. I'm not giving you my number. We want God to provide immediately. But what if, what if the need is there you ask God to work and move, and God says, okay, but I want you to do this. And you say, all right, well, God, you provide for the need, and I'm ready to do that. And God says, no, I want you to trust me. I, I want you to step out before I provide. That's what he's doing with the nation of Israel. Israel. This isn't a small church. This isn't a large church. It's not a mega church. It's a super mega church. This is a bunch of people. And God says, I'm not going to dry up the water until you step out into it. That's big. And so come back next week. We'll tell you how that worked out. (laughs) Same channel, same time. Verse 14, and I've told you guys this before. Whenever I I read, I put myself in that situation. Man, what what would it have been like to have been there? There's some things that the Bible just doesn't tell us. It's just kind of silent, and and, and I don't want to get get weird as I try to imagine and fill in the blanks, but, but I wonder what the people thought. When Joshua said this, and, and, and the, the ark is in front of them, and, and, and they're all b- behind. They've already packed everything up. They're ready to go now. I, I wonder if there wasn't some little kid that says, Daddy, where are we going? Son, we're going to go on the other side. Daddy, we can't cross that. I know, son, God will provide. Okay, well, how come he doesn't provide right now? Son, it's going to be okay. God wants us to obey first, and then he'll provide. What a great teaching moment. Isn't that kind of what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 6? Or or maybe it was the dad. Son asking him, and the dad says, hold on, son, let me go ask. And and he goes up to Joshua and says, Joshua, where are we going? Well, we're going on the other side. Okay, I understand that. We've talked about this, but, you know, the Jordan's still flowing. There's no way we're going to make it across I know God wants us to step out in obedience first. Then he'll dry up the waters. Joshua, you know that if he doesn't, the ark is gone. I know. But I know that God will do what he says he's going to do. Can you imagine the discussions? Uh, Maybe they didn't say it out loud, but I'm betting out of over a million people one of the one of them in there is like me but what if what if it doesn't happen how do i know that god is going to do what he says he's going to do you have to obey first so When the people set out from their tents to pass over the Jordan, the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant went before the people. And as soon as those bearing the Ark had come as far as the Jordan, the feet of the priests bearing the water were dipped into the brink of the water. And here's the parenthetical statement now. The Jordan overflows at its banks throughout the time of harvest. It's at flood stage. The waters, as soon as their feet went in, it says that the waters coming down from above stood and rose up in a heap, very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zarethan, and those flowing down toward the Sea of Arabah, the Salt Sea, were completely cut off, and the people passed over opposite Jericho. As soon as they obeyed, God provided. Now, that's cool. I wonder what their response would have been if they had to get in, like, thigh deep, (laughs) waist deep. Here's the cool thing. Now, you would expect this is the Jordan that didn't dry up until they put their feet in. Now, the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant of Yahweh stood firmly on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan and all Israel was passing over dry ground until all the nation finished passing over the Jordan. Isn't that cool? How big do you think their faith was after they crossed over? Bigger than it was when they started. (laughs) And and the picture that I get in my mind is that the, the priest with the ark went right down into the middle dead center of the Jordan, and stood there, I don't know how long this would have taken, stood there as person after person passed by on dry ground, not muddy ground, on dry ground. God wants us to have courageous faith. He wants us to believe that he is who he says he is and that he will do what he says he'll do. And you know how you grow your faith? You know how your faith grows in God? By exercising it. Anybody in here go to the gym? You can tell by looking I don't. I go see gym, but we don't work out when I do that. You get stronger by exercising your muscles. Your faith gets stronger by exercising. Here's, here's the way this works. We obey God shows himself as faithful and true. And next time, it's a little bit easier to trust him, isn't it? And then God calls us to step out in faith, and we do, and God shows himself as faithful and strong. Every time we obey, trusting God will do what he says he's going to do. He grows our faith every single time. Let me Let me... Quickly, we'll close with this. Give you three areas to think about with this. Three areas that you can apply this to. The first one is in your relationships. You're thinking, why would I have to trust God in my relationships? If you're thinking that, you've not had some of the relationships that I've had over time. Maybe, maybe it's, it's with your friends. And, and I would love to be able to tell some of you, you younger ones uh, in our, our, our sanctuary today that are here, I'd love to be able to tell you, hey, you know what? Peer pressure goes away at 18. I'd love to be able to tell you, you know what? Who it hangs around matters now, but when you get older, it doesn't matter. I'd love to be able to tell you, you know what? I know there's drama in your relationship, especially like if you're in middle school that there's drama in your relationships now, but when you get older, that goes away. I'd love to be able to tell you that, but I'd be lying through my teeth. Because those kind of things happen the rest of your life. So maybe it's some friends. Maybe it's some that you need to get rid of. Maybe it's some you need to cut out. Maybe, maybe you need to surround yourself with some that are following God who are going to encourage you to follow God. Maybe it's with the particular friendship that you're struggling with. And you just need to, God's already told you what you need to do, and you just need to step out in obedience. Maybe it's dating. I'm so glad. I, I Actually, let me tell you, I, I still date my wife. I love saying that the teenagers, they're like, I, I tell them I do not go off on my... You know, my my kids have heard this so much. Um, I, won't, I won't get on my, my little uh, stump here, but but I, I don't like the idea of, of dating the way that the world dates. And and when I say that to, to teenagers, they're like, oh, if you don't date, how are you going to find a wife? I say, let your daddy pick them. <laughs> right? And then I tell them, oh, wait, 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 you can date after you get married. They're like, oh. That's cheating on your spouse. No, no, you date your spouse. So m- maybe it's a dating relationship. Maybe, maybe that's just something that God, you already know what he wants you to do, and you just need to step out. Maybe, maybe it's in the area of relationships that God is speaking to you that you just need to trust him. You just need to obey first and then let him provide. Maybe some of you are saying, you know what? They're the only friend of God, and I know I don't need to have them as a friend, but but if I don't, I'm not going to have any. Maybe you need to obey first and let God provide. For some of you, it might be family. <laughs> uh, in, anybody anybody spend time with family yet this summer? There's something about family and fish in three days. I don't know. Was I got to perform a, a wedding ceremony yesterday and was was joking around with the the groom, it was basically the bride's family that was there. And I said, They're a hoot. He goes, Oh, my family's the same way. I'm just used to it. <laughs> I thought, well, good for you. Um, sometimes family's hard. Sometimes, sometimes you you know what God is calling you to do in, in an area relationship with, with family, and and it's just hard to do. Well, what if they get angry at you? <laughs> Well, they're family. They're stuck with you. No. maybe it's with your children. Maybe it's trusting God in in an area with your children, and and He wants you to obey first before He provides. Maybe, maybe kids, it's with your parents. <laughs> I say, kids, um, we still have parents, right, Cynthia? We have your parents. M- maybe, maybe it's in in the realm of parents, and and God's telling you you need to do something, kids. You want me to tell you how to wrap your parents? These are the young ones. You want me to tell you how to wrap your parents around your finger? You do everything they tell you to do. Now, that that sounds really hard, but what if if you took the initiative in your relationship with your parents and said, you know what? I want to do what you want me to do, even if it might not be what I want to do. What do you think that's going to do for their trust in you? What do you think it's going to do in your relationship with them? huge grown kids you know well, what do you think it would do in your relationship with your parents if you called them up those of you who still have living parents call them up and said hey I need your advice about something not money parents expect you to call for money but I need your advice about something I, I, I don't know what it is maybe, but maybe maybe it's with your family either with your children or, or with your parents maybe it's a sibling a cousin, I don't know. But but whatever it is, maybe God is dealing with you in that area, and he's already told you what, what he wants you to do, and you just need to obey. You just need to do it. Maybe it's calling to apologize about something. That stinks, doesn't it? You ever apologize for someone and they didn't forgive you? You ever, you ever ask for forgiveness and they didn't give it? How fun is that, right? Wait till tomorrow. Mondays are usually hard anyways. But Maybe you just need to go and reconcile relationship. And then the final area I want you to to apply this to is finances. I know, huh? I I I I, te- I tease. I know that, that this is this is a real deal. But when someone says I'm on a fixed income, and I'm like, well, mine doesn't vary. I know what they're saying is I'm unlimited. Well, mine's limited too. <laughs> That's something we all deal with, right? Maybe God is calling you to trust him in, in an area of finances. May, maybe it's in getting finances. So, so maybe it's, it's a job that you need or don't need. Maybe it's, it's, it's learning to live on less than you make. I, I know I'm, I'm talking to a lot of people who got this down really well. You know that our nation doesn't do this. Our nation lives on more than they make. And they say, how do you do that? Would you just keep racking up the debt? Maybe God's just been convicting you over over a a period of time, and and maybe God's just calling you to live on less than you make. I was talking with my kiddo who's getting ready to go off to college. I said, hey, look, if you do this, you're going to be be so far ahead, most people in our country. If you learn to live on 70% of what you make, Give 10% to dad. I'm kidding. <laughs> and we think live on 70% of what you make. Yeah, if that's where we started. But maybe, maybe it's something like that that God's, God's already been impressing on you that you need to and You just need to step out in faith and obey. Maybe it's in the area of giving, maybe it's offerings or, or, or tithes. And, and you say, you know, I, I can't afford to do that. But, but you know, God's been prompting you to. Maybe, maybe he's just been impressing on you. You need to obey first and then let me provide. I, I love, I, I'm not going to read it to you, but the end of Malachi is just super cool. God says, test me. I, I, I want to open up the windows of heaven and pour out blessing on you. And Just, just test me. Try. See what I can do. Whatever area it is, can, can I just encourage you to do this? And I've said something similar to you before and challenged you this way. Can we just go before the Lord today as we enter a time of, of invitation and response? Can we just say, God, the answer is yes. Now just tell me what you want me to do. For some of you, he's already been telling you, and he's just waiting for you to say yes, and then take that step of obedience. Whatever it is, what whether it's in your relationships, whether it's in your family, whether it's in the area of finances, that, that God is it's something he's already been encouraging you, something he's already been nudging you to do. And and it's just time for you just to step out in obedience and trust. Faith is believing that God is who he says he is, and that he'll do what he says he'll do. Let's pray. God, as we as we come before you. I, Lord, I know that, that most of us are in, in this boat where we say, God, I, I trust you. Would you help me trust you more? And, and Lord, what you're calling us to do is to step out in obedience. And we're stepping out before you provide, trusting that you will. God, in, in any of these areas, whether it's relationship, family, or, or finances, that, God, we just need to turn it over to you and just say, God, I'm, I'm going to do what you tell me to do. And trust that you're going to do what you said you would do. Lord, give us the courage, give us the boldness to be obedient to you. In Jesus' name we pray, Amen.